Welcome to another episode from Radio Days, when radio was king. This one, a drama, and a good one. Good enough to show on Broadway in 1938 and become a movie in 1939. The version you'll hear today was released by NBC in June of 1952 as a radio drama in a series titled NBC Radio's Best Plays with John Chapman. The story itself was a twist on a Greek fable in which death is tricked into climbing a pear tree which had been blessed by St. Polycarp to trap anyone who is trying to steal an old woman's pears. It's a curious mix of fantasy and reality that'll keep you on the edge of your seat, and the acting is superb. The main characters are Gramps, who, with his wife Nellie, are caring for their orphaned grandson, Pud, and trying to protect him from a money-grubbing aunt who wants to take the boy's inheritance. The personification of death comes in the human form of Brink, who wears a dark coat and is not shy about approaching Grandpa, who tells him to leave. Pud comes out of the house and asks who the stranger was. Gramps is surprised and relieved that someone else could see the stranger It was not merely a dream or apparition, as he had feared. Pud tells Gramps that when he does a good deed, he'll be able to make a wish. Because his apples are constantly being stolen, Gramps wishes that anyone who climbs up his apple tree will have to stay there until he permits them to climb down. Both discover that the wishes come true when Pud climbs the tree, but is unable to come down, becoming free only when Gramps gives him the okay. This is a story that will steal your heart and remind you that love is the reason for living, and death, no matter how much we hate it and fear it, is an inescapable part of life. And now, on Borrowed Time. From New York, where the stage begins, NBC presents Best Plays with John Chapman. A series of hour-length dramas based on the famous theatrical books begun by the late Burns Mantle, now edited by the distinguished drama critic of the New York Daily News, John Chapman. Mr. Chapman. Good evening. For myself, the test of a fine play or a fine performance is a simple one. After I've seen it, do I want to stay up half the night or maybe all the night talking about it? That's just what happened to me on the cold evening of February 3rd, 1938. I was too excited to sleep, for I'd just seen the first performance of Paul Osborne's On Borrowed Time. Here was a beautiful play, brimful of humor and affection. It was one of the best plays of that season, and it's one of the best for you now. Our company has, in the part of Gramps, who just pretends to be an old crosspatch, a character actor perfectly fitted for the part, Parker Fennelly. You remember him from his Snow Village sketches and his work for many years with Fred Allen. In the part of Miss Nellie, his wife, we have one of the most gifted actresses of the theater, Mildred Natwick. If you saw her, you will remember her as the spinster secretary in Shaw's Candida and as the slightly crazy fortune teller in Blythe Spirit. And the important part of the little boy is David Anderson, who is a veteran actor in spite of his extreme youth. 
Grants and Granny Northrup live in a white clabbered house in the middle of town with their grandson, Pud, and Pud's parents, Jim and Susan. Just now, Jim is out on a call. He's a doctor. And Susan has gone along. Gramps relaxes on the porch, shaded by an ancient apple tree. Gramps! Gramps! Huh? Look! What is it, boy? Look what I found out and back by the garbage shed. Well, Keezer's ghost. If that don't look just like a bone. It is a bone. Is it a human bone, Gramps? Might be, boy. It looks pretty human to me, Gramps. Uh, we'll ask your dad when he gets home. He's a doctor, and they know about these things. We'll keep it as a specimen, okay, Gramps? Put it in the window box with the other things. All right, boy. Uh, you better not let your granny know that you're using her window box for specimens. That frog is getting kind of old, boy. We'll have to throw him out and get something else. Maybe we could stuff your Aunt Dimitri in there, huh? Aunt Dimitri is a piss fire. Aunt Dimitri is a piss hey, fire. Hey, hey, uh, Where'd you hear that? You said it. Me? You said she was a pissmire. Well, she is a pissmire. She's the biggest pissmire I know. What's a pissmire? An ant. One of the meanest ants that crawls. Why is Aunt Demetria so mean, Gramps? Born that way. Julia? Oh, perdition. Where's perdition, Gramps? Where the woodbine twineth. Julian! Granny's getting louder. Uh, one second. I'll just fortify myself with a little fire water before we go in. Why do you always fortify yourself, Gramps? Never you mind. Don't you ever touch this stuff, boy. Just give me a taste. Ah, uh, no. Please. Uh, all right. Teach yourself. <coughs> <coughs> Julian Northrup. Oh, was you calling Miss Nellie? I didn't hear you. What are you doing to this boy? That I should live to see the day. I'm just letting him learn things for himself. He mimics everything you do. Hardly has a chance to see his own father. Jim's that busy. First thing you know, Julian, this boy will grow up to be just like you, swearing and smoking and drinking. Yeah. You never draw a breath that ain't full of swearing and smoking. And if you don't change your ways, I'm going to talk to that boy's parents about sending him away to school. At his age? Better than being around you. Demetria knows us. Demetria. Thank God I might have known that old bird stuffer was at the bottom of this. Demetria Riffle is a fine Christian woman. She's a bird stuffer. She may have her faults, but... Julian, what's a bird stuffer? Nothing. Just a bird stuffer. But it must mean something. Now look, Miss Nellie. Adam saw a dog, and it looked like a dog, and he called it a dog. I saw Demi. She looked like a bird stuffer, so she is a bird stuffer. What? What's the matter, Nellie? Who's that man? What man? Out there by the fence gate. Oh. Tall man, black coat. I don't know, some salesman, maybe. I don't like his looks. Now, Miss Nellie, don't go. Taking a chill all of a sudden. Pud? Pud? Yes, Granny? You come inside the house with me for a spell. Ah, heck, Granny, I'm digging up an old worm. You come inside with me, Pud, now. Julian, you come too. No, no, I... I think I'll set out here, Spell. I, I feel kind of drowsy all at once. Well, suit yourself. Come along, Pud. Uh, guess I ain't as young as I figured. <sighs> Mr. Julian Northrup. Huh? 
You shouldn't come up on a fellow like that. You give my heart a real twitch there. You are Julian Northrup. I am? Who are you? What do you want? I request that you come with me. You do, huh? Where would that be? Where the woodbine twine. Where the woodbine... See, I said that. I just made that up out of my head a little while ago. Who the... Who the old Harry are you? You may call me Mr. Brink. Ready to come along now? Now You look here, Mr. Brink. I don't like you. I wouldn't go to a rat fight with you. So now you know. I'm sorry to hear that. And I don't like the way you snuck up here. So get, get, pack on sail for... You see? Your heart is failing. It's time for you to come with me. No, no, it ain't. I ain't going nowhere. Now you get the blazes out of here. You get off my son's property. Get now. Julian, who are you shouting at? That fellow in the black coat, he... Well, I'll be doggone. Where is he? He's gone. What did he want? I don't rightly know, Miss Nelly. Gramps, who was that man? Oh, you see him, did you, son? Sure, who was he? He wanted me to go with him. Say, you suppose he... Now, who do you suppose that is? You better answer it. Sounds like somebody told the operator to really keep at it. Dr. Northrop's residence? What? Well, it can't be. Well, there was just... Yes. Yes. Bring them both home. Who was it, Julian? Why, what is it? Julian, what is it? Nellie. Nellie, it's... It's Jim and Susan. What about them? They... They was both killed in an auto crash. Gramps! Hey, Gramps, I just found a new kind of stone, Gramps! Come on out, please! Gramps? What, boy? Why is Granny crying? She's feeling kind of sad, boy. What are you doing, Gramps? Writing a letter, boy. To who? To Reverend Murdoch. He's the one who talked at the cemetery, ain't he, Gramps? Yeah, he's the one. Granny? What part? My papa was a brave man, wasn't he, Granny? Yes, dear. He turned his automobile right off the road so he wouldn't hurt a little boy just like me. That's right, dear. But I must never forget that my mama and papa were taken from me. And I will never, never have any others. I'm an orphan. Who told you that dribble? Ain't Demetria. That darn old piss my ass. Julian. Telling a boy things like that. The old hellion. Don't swear in front of Pud. I'm going to swear when I'm older. Gramps said I could. Did you say that, Julian? Yes, I said it. Now, let me finish this letter. What's so important about that letter? I'm sending Reverend Murdoch $50. $50? He looked kind of shabby when he was preaching that funeral sermon. I reckon preaching don't pay what it used to. Call it my good deed for this lifetime. Good deeds and leading a Christian life is two different things. I reckon. If you do a good deed and make a wish, it'll come true. What's that nonsense? It's true, Gramps. If you do a good deed and make a wish, the wish will come true. 
So make a wish, Gramp. All right, all right. As soon as I think of a good one, boy. Who the devil's that? Come in. Why, hello, Demi. I was passing by. I thought I'd stop in. Hello, Julian. Yeah. There's my poor little lamb. Got a kiss for your Aunt Demetria. Why, what's the matter? I've had too much ladies' arms around me lately. <laughs> too many arms. Well, I'd like to have none arms around me for a while. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> Poor little Lammy, still thinking of his mama and papa. Oh, leave the boy alone. Julian. There, there, Lammy. Your Aunt Dimitri understands. God has taken... Did you hear me, you old hellion, you? Would you deny the child Christian comfort? Oh, the howling blazes with Christian comfort. Come here, Pud. I hate you. <laughs> Good boy. Julian, you're a demon. You, you, whited sepulcher. Whited sepulcher, huh? You, you woman of Babylon. Fishmire. Come on, boy. Let's get out of here before we lose our tempers. Come on. Come on. Well, did you hear that? He called me. No, Revelation 17.5. Don't say it, Demi. Right in front of that sweet boy. I warn you, Nellie. It was bad enough when the boy's parents were alive, but now, with only Julian to teach him, why, he'll be swearing and blaspheming before you know it. I'm as worried as you are, Demi. You can't take care of him by yourselves. Well, we've got young Marcy Giles coming to live with us. She's going to help look after Pud. Did you say Marcy Giles? Mm, moved in this morning. She's downtown buying a few vittles. Why, what's the matter? Well, of course, it's none of my business. What ain't? But if it were my grandson... What about it, Demi? Do you know something about Marcy? I should hope so. Carrying on as brazen as you please. Marcy? That young Bill Murdoch, Reverend Murdoch's son. Just, just a moment, Demi. Julian? What? Step inside a minute, Julian. It's important. Me too, Granny? You wait out there. Ah, oh, sure. You guard that apple tree, Pud. See that nobody steals any apples. Okay? Okay. Yeah. What is it? It's Marcia. Demi says that she's been carrying on with the Reverend Murdoch's son. Bill Murdoch? Good. He's a nice fella. Are you going to have that kind of woman around, Pud? What kind of woman? Stop your pussyfooting, Demi. What's she done? Kissing. Kissing? Right in the park, like you never saw. There to make your blood boil. They carry on like that in public. What do you suppose they do when they're alone? Well, but Demi, if they just kiss... Kissing. Ye gods, that makes me mad. That makes me so dang mad... Julian Northrop, you stop your swearing. Miss Nellie, I'm, I'm disappointed in you, listening to her. You're getting to be nothing but an old fool. Julian! Well, I'm sorry, Miss Nellie, but it's true. You can march right out of here. It's a pleasure. And old hellion even makes me fight with Miss Nellie. Did you hear that? He called me an old fool. He said he was disappointed in me. Oh, I don't see how you stand for it, Nellie. I don't. It just isn't any place to bring up a young boy. I was swearing and smoking that smelly old pipe. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord took Jim and Susan just as a punishment to him. Oh, well, he... He don't mean all them things, Demi. He's just a rough-spoken man. Never setting foot inside a Christian church. Well, it ain't that he sneers at religion, Demi. He just don't have no interest. Well, it's no place for a boy of Pud's age. I suppose you're right. Sometimes I, I wonder if maybe you shouldn't bring him up. Me? After all, he's your own sister's child. Julian and me ain't getting any younger. Matter of fact, Demi, I... 
I ain't told a soul, but I've been feeling right peaked lately. I'm sorry to hear that. And Pud is your own sister's child. I've often thought of it, Nellie, but I couldn't afford to give Pud the things he needs. Unless Jim left a will or something. Did he, Nellie? He did, Demi. Well, think of that. And how much, uh, that is, well, is the little lamb he taken care of? Jim left $15,000. 15,000? Dear little lamby. Nellie, maybe you're right. About what? Maybe I should adopt Pud. Adopt him? I could take his things over with me now, and in the morning I'll go down to Mr. Pillbeam's and have the papers drawn up for you to sign. Now, just a minute, Demi. I don't want you putting words in my mouth. Well, you said yourself. I just meant maybe he could live with you and visit over here every day. Well, if you want him exposed to all this blasphemy. I don't know, Demi. I just plumb don't know, and I'm... I'm too tuckered out to think about it. Maybe if I just put my head back and think for a moment. Very well, Nellie. You make up your own mind. Just remember that the boy is being spoiled. I'll be by in the morning. Goodbye, Demi. Goodbye, Nellie. You get some rest. You don't look very well. My Aunt Demetria. Good. She just passed Marcy coming up the walk, and she didn't even look at her. Uh, well, we'll look at her twice, just to make up for it. Here she comes. Gosh, I sure wish Granny would knit me a sweater with bumps on it the way Marcy's has. Hush, hush, child. You're too young for such talk. Hiya, Marcy. Hello, Pud. Hello, Mr. Northrup. I got the groceries. Marcy, come here. Yes, sir. Don't you know it's a sin for a girl to kiss men in the park? Well, I didn't kiss men. I only kissed one man. Oh, well, that's different. Next time, you bring him up here and kiss him. What? I say you bring Bill Murdoch up here and kiss him. Time we had a little kissing in this house again. How the blazes is Pud going to learn about kissing if he don't never see none? Oh, Mr. Northrop. You in love with Bill? We're engaged. Uh, I kind of thought so. All right. You'd best take them groceries into Miss Nellie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Marcy. Yes? Fix her a cup of peppermint tea, will you? She's been looking kind of peaky lately. All right, Mr. Northrup. Here's your tea, Mrs. Northrup. Oh, oh. Just set it down, Marcy. Is, uh, is there anything wrong, Mrs. Northrup? Wrong? Oh, no, there's nothing wrong, Marcy. I, I'm just kind of tired. I'm going to sleep in a minute as soon as I finish this knitting. Now, let me see. There was something I was supposed to talk to you about. What was it? Well, there, I've forgotten. Couldn't have been very important. Marcy. Yes, Mrs. Northrup? Marcy. You, you just see that Julian always has his pipe. Will you do that? Well, yes, Mrs. Northrup. You're a good girl, Marcy. Now go back to whatever you're doing. All right. Don't you think you have done enough? That you, Julian? No, not Julian. Who is it? It's Mr. Brink. You seem rather tired. I am. 
kind of tired, Mr. Brink. I thought so. Well, you're to come with me now. Come with you? See here. What call of you to come button in here? I usually come to bedrooms. It's much more comfortable. What is? To come with me. Why should anyone go with you? It's customary. Oh, well, you might as well sit down and wait, because you needn't think I'll stir until I've finished this knitting I'm working on. I'm narrowing off at the top now. Yes, I know you are. What do you know about knitting? I don't mean the mitten, I mean you. What a fool thing to say. Don't you know a lady from a mitten? Yes, I know a lady from a mitten. I know many things. I'll wager I could show you a thing or two about knitting. No doubt. Are you ready now? Wait. Just a minute. I'm almost finished. There. That's got it. Don't that red stripe look well with the gray? Excellent, my dear. Excellent. Now we must go. Gramps! Gramps, look! Look where? The apple tree! Those boys have been stealing apples again, Gramps! Oh, so they have. Looks like they got away with it, too. They always get away with it, Gramps. You never catch them. Well, now, one of these days, you just wait and see. I don't believe you even try. Oh, don't I, though? I swear, I wish that anybody who climbs that old tree from now on would have to stay up there until I let him down. Gramps, you made a wish. Huh? A wish. You wished that anybody who climbed that tree would have to stay there until you let him down. So I did. Not a good it'll do me. Oh, but it will, Gramps. I bet we catch somebody and keep them there for a hundred years. A million, maybe. You know something? We better start eating some of them apples ourselves before they're all gone. I'll get some. You'll let me down, won't you, Gramps? Well, I reckon so, yeah. Push me up, Gramps. Okay, boy. Easy now. One, two, up you go. Got the apples? Got them, Gramps. Yeah. Great big red ones. Now, you know, I can't get down until you let me. <laughs> My Lord and Miss Boopy Doop, you sure do beat the trolley cars, boy. You wished it, Gramps. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I did, boy. Well, in that case, I'm liable to keep you up there all week, maybe a hundred years. But you said I could come down before, Gramps. Yeah, I changed my mind. Matter of fact, I might leave you there while I go down to Millbore Park to pick up another frog for our collection. Then I'm coming down. Oh, but you can't, boy. Because you're under my magic spell. Gramps! Huh? I can't let loose. No, of course you can't. You can't go breaking my spells like that. But honest, I can't, Gramps. That's what I said. Let me down, Gramps. Let me down, please. My arms is tired. <laughs> No, you're stuck now. Oh, what's the matter, boy? Gramps, please, I really can't. All right, all right, come down. I break the spell. I couldn't let go honest. I thought you was just fooling. 
I was fooling at first. Then my hands wouldn't move. Doggone, boy. If I don't believe you really thought that tree could hold you. Well, come along. Let's go inside and see if Master's got lunch ready yet. Gramps. What? There's that man again. What man? The one in the black coat. He's just going down the walk. Well, sure it is. He, he must have come out of the side door of the house. What's the matter, Gramps? Uh, I don't know, boy. I got a sudden sort of a chill. Come on. We best go in and make sure Miss Nellie's all right. Miss Nellie! Miss Nellie! Here comes Marcy Miss down. Marcy, come quick! What is it? It's Miss Nellie. What's wrong? I'm not sure, but I think she's... She's what? She's what? Speak up, girl. I think she's dead. Mr. Northrup. Mr. Northrup. Oh. Oh, hello there, Marcy. I must have dozed off. Ain't that remarkable, Marcy? For a minute, I dreamed it was last week. Miss Nellie was alive. Jim and Susan. Supper's nearly ready. Where's the boy? He's playing out in back. Miss Riffle was over, so I sent him out. What's she want? She was just asking about your health. She's been here every day since the funeral. That old hellion. Just waiting for me to die, eh? If you don't take care of yourself, you will. You haven't eaten enough for a bird, and you've got to keep your strength up. All right, all right, Marcy. I'll be in directly. Mm. Bud seems kind of lonesome lately, don't he? Well, when you don't eat, he hardly touches a mouthful either, you know. That's what Miss Nellie used to say. Julian, she'd say, that boy mimics everything you do. (laughs) He does, too. Marcy, it's that Brink fella. Brink? He was here, Marcy. He come for her. Who's Brink? I reckon you didn't see him. I don't know anybody by that name. If only I'd got upstairs a little sooner. Oh, you couldn't have known. We had words. She died before I could take him back and say I was sorry. She understood. No, no. She died and she didn't forgive me. She did. She would have forgiven you anything. Oh, hello, Pud. Oh, well, I guess I better set the table. Can I sit here on the porch with you for a while, Gramps? What makes you think you have to ask it? I don't know, Gramps. It seems so peculiar lately. Well, I'm getting over that. We're going to have supper together. I'm not hungry. Oh, got to eat, boy. Got to keep up our strength. You see, there's only you and me now. Only me and you, boy. I figure we got to stick together, huh? You're dang right, Gramps. Shouldn't cuss, boy. Why not? You do. Well, I shouldn't either. Your granny didn't like it. We got to turn over a new leaf, bud. What for? So your Aunt Dimitri won't keep saying I'm bad for you. Won't keep trying to get you away from me. We'll kill her and we'll put her in the ground. We'll lower the coffin and we'll say ashes to ashes. Gramps, what's the matter? Marcy, Marcy, come quick. Gramps is sick. What is this? Nothing, nothing. Just a little spell. It'll pass. I reckon I ain't used to not smoking. Would you like your pipe? No. No, I'd best not. Miss Nellie didn't like me to smoke. Nonsense. She told me I was always to keep your pipe filled. What? When? Just before she died. I took her up a cup of tea and she caught my hand and she said... Now, wait a minute. I'll remember her exact words. She said, Marcy, you see that Julian always has his pipe. Marcy, you ain't making this up to make me feel good. I couldn't do that. No, no, you couldn't. Give me the pipe, girl. (laughs) Right here. 
Well, now. Tastes good, Gramps? Better than anything, boy. <laughs> I'll go in and finish supper. Will you be all right? Fine. Gramps. What is it, boy? Look, coming up the walk. What is it? It's that man. That man in the black coat. Is it, boy? Gramps, why is your hand wiggling so when you hold your pipe? Nothing, boy. Uh, I reckon I ain't been keeping up my strength like I should. He's coming, Gramps. He's coming right up to the porch. Good evening. Well, what do you want? You. Can't I ever sit and smoke without you butting in? I thought perhaps you might like to come with me now. Now, look here, Mr. Brink. I ain't going with you at all. I'm going to stay right here with this young fella. You're about as welcome as a, as a fly on a current bun. So pack up and get, you understand? Your similitudes are a bit earthy, but your meaning is clear. <laughs> My similitudes. You hear that, Pud? Fancy talk. He sure talks funny, doesn't he, Grant? Now go on. Get off of my property. Must you be so difficult, Mr. Northrop? Your wife was so charming to me when I came for her last week. Miss Nelly, is, is she well? Sorry, I can't tell you that. Only that she has changed. Miss Nelly changed? <laughs> That's what you think. My dear man, let's not argue. Come along. Now, this time you can't fight me away. Gramps, don't go and leave me. Looks like I have to, boy. No, Gramps, yep. no. Mr. Brink... Before I go, I wonder, could I taste one last apple from this tree? I planted it when I was a boy, you know. Well, it isn't done, but I suppose... Thank you kindly. You, you wouldn't reach up there and get it for me, would you? Well, I suppose I could do that. Just step up on that low branch there. That's it. Now, I see just the one I want. This one? No. Climb up just a bit higher. Here? A little higher. Grant. Hush, boy. A little higher now. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. This one? No. Matter of fact, Mr. Brink, I don't want none of them. I got you up in that tree, and you're going to stay there till I say you can come down. Hey, here, why, this is ridiculous. Is it? You try getting down. Pray, boy, pray it works. I can get down any time. I seem to be stuck. Try to shake loose. I certainly shall, Mr. Northland. Continue with Act Two of the Best Plays production of On Borrowed Time, starring Parker Fennelly and Mildred Natwick. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. We return now to the Best Plays production of On Borrowed Time, starring Parker Fennelly and Mildred Natwick. Now, here again is John Chapman. The modern theater is called realistic or naturalistic, and so it is most of the time. But at almost any season, you'll find plays that go venturing off into some world of imagination, of fancy, like the one we're hearing now. This season, we have Helen Hayes on Broadway and Mary Chase's delightful fantasy, Mrs. McFing. 
1938, we were specially lucky, for there was a stirring mixture of fact and fancy on the stage. There was such hard realism as of Mice and Men and Golden Boy. But there also were worlds of make-believe to discover in Thornton Wilder's Our Town, Maxwell Anderson's The Star Wagon, Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontan having fun with the legendary Greek gods in, in, in uh, Amphitryon 38. And, of course, there was On Borrowed Time, where a little boy has death himself held powerless in an apple tree. Act two is ready, so let's listen now to what happens. Dr. Evans. Doctor, this is Demetria Riffle. Oh, yes? I hope I didn't disturb your sleep. No, I usually sit awake all night waiting for calls, especially now around one in the morning. I need your help, Doctor. There's something wrong? It's Julian. Oh, what? No. What is it? Doctor, what would you say if I told you that Julian Northrup is out in his front yard right now building a fence around his apple tree? <laughs> At one in the morning? Right now. I'd say he'd gone completely crazy. Well, he's out there. Good Lord. And what does he say? He says he has a man in the tree, a man named Mr. Brink. Well, who's Brink? Julian says he goes around taking people away with him when it's time for them to die. Well, he smokes. Are you sure he said that? Not only that, Doctor, but he says that touching the tree is the only way anybody can die. There is no more death in the world until Julian lets Mr. Brink out of the tree. Now, now, now look here, Demi. Do you think Julian really believes this, or was he just spoofing you? Oh, I think it's pretty plain what's happened, Doctor. All this death in the family's touched him. He's an old man, and his mind suddenly snapped. I find it hard to believe called you so you'd come over and take a look for yourself. Huh? Now, look, couldn't we make it in the morning? Dr. Evans, my nephew Pud is living in that house. If Julian is insane, I intend to get the boy away from him before something terrible happens. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, Miss Dimitri, but I'll go over there. If I think Julian's out of his head, we'll get a court order and get the boy away. You meet me there in, uh, say, 15 minutes. Hopper sat on a railroad track, singing Polly Wally Doodle on the day, picking his teeth to the carpet tack, singing Polly Wally Doodle all the day. Yeah. Mr. Brink? Yes? Just making sure you're still up there. Oh, I'm still here, Northrop. Fine, fine. I don't know what you had to go making yourself invisible for. I think it's better that way. When the time comes... The right folks will be able to see me. Don't worry. Time ain't coming till I decide. I can wait. Glad to hear it. Julian? What the devil is that old fusspot doing here this time of night? Julian, I brought Dr. Evans. I told you not to tell anybody. Oh, it's all right, Northrop. I was interested, that's all. Uh, Demetra tells me you've actually got somebody sitting up in that tree. Only we can't see him. That's right. Um, and uh, nobody in the world can die anymore. Not unless they touch that tree, no. Are you serious about this? Would I be building a fence at one in the morning if I wasn't serious? What makes you think a person will die if he touches that tree? Because I see two stray cats and a dog touch it already tonight, and all three of them are stone dead. I see. And uh, <clears throat> you can talk to this Brink fellow? I can. Uh, would you? 
What for? Well, I thought perhaps if you talked to him, you'd find out he wasn't there. <laughs> you don't believe me, eh? All right, by golly, I'll show you. Mr. Brink? Sir? See, he calls me, sir. There, he thinks someone is answering. I'll humor him. Uh, talk some more. I hope you ain't mad at me, Mr. Brink. I think I may be allowed some slight irritation. Well, now, I had good reason for putting you up there. You see this old bag here? Her name is Dimitri Riffle. Did you hear that? Oh, quiet. You got her on your schedule yet? Riffle? Yeah. No such name has come to my attention as yet. Well, it better, Mr. Brink, because I'm going to keep you up there till it comes time for you to exterminate her. My dear man, that may be a long time. Well, that's how it's going to be. I ain't letting you down until there ain't no chance of her getting her hands on my little grandson. Very well, Mr. Northrup, but I think you'll regret it. I'll take my chances. Well, Doc, you satisfied now? Yes. I'm satisfied that there's no one up there. You, you mean you didn't hear him? You were talking to yourself. And just to prove it to you, I'm going to pick an apple off that tree and eat it. But you, girl darn fool, after all I've been telling you has happened already. I insist, Northrup. Now, now, look out. Doc! You make one move to touch that tree, and so help me, I'll brain you with this hammer. Julian! I mean it. Doctor, look out! All right, Northrop, all right. Now, calm down. I I just wanted to make sure you weren't joking. Well, now you know I ain't. Yes, now I know. Well, uh, <clears throat> we'd better be getting along, Mr. Mitre. Uh, I'll be by in the morning, Northrop. Anytime you please. Uh, good night. Good night. Oh, don't worry about any of your patients dying for a while yet. Well, Mr. Brink? Well, Mr. Northrop. Fence is all finished now. I'll see you in the morning. In the morning. Don't go away. I won't. <laughs> oh, the king of Masonia wore a crown upon his seat. Uh, how's that? The king of Masonia wore his crown on his seat. You don't say. What'd you do to your finger? I heard it when I was helping put away the tools this morning. But Marcy put a heap of tape on, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> a heap of tape? I guess you mean adhesive tape, huh? Uh-huh, a heap of tape. Uh. Gramps. Yes, boy? Is he still up there? Mr. Brink, I mean. Still up there. Gosh. Yeah, what is it, Marcy? A couple of gentlemen inside to see you. Gentlemen? See me? Dr. Evans and some other men, I don't know. They came around the side. Oh, I'll be right in. You stay out here, Pud. Don't go near that tree, do you hear? Okay, Gramps. <sighs> well, morning, Doc. This is Mr. Grimes. Pleased to meet you. Likewise. I was telling Mr. Grimes about your tree. Oh, I reckon you don't believe that he's up there either, Mr. Grimes. <laughs> sure, sure, I believe it. I was just going to ask you to come along with me and meet a fellow at my place who wants to hear about it. Oh, well, it's this way, Mr. Grimes. I don't want any more people knowing about this. You see, I want... Northrop, there's no point in beating around the bush. I've got a court order here to take you to an insane asylum. I want... Now, it's this way, Northrop. Uh, Demi. Demi put you up to this so she can get the boy. There's no use fighting it, Northrop. Listen, there ain't nothing wrong with me. Now, now, are you coming along like a good fellow, or do I have to put a straitjacket on you? You'd do that, would you? Unless you're a good fellow. Well... I reckon I might as well go along peaceful, then. That's a good fellow. Of course, I can't go without my badge. What badge? My veteran's badge. If I'm going to march up to that bug house, it's right in the desk drawer. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, now, Northrop. It's all right, uh, Doctor. You've got to know how to handle them. Yes, sir. Here it is, right here. 
Now then. Don't no, put down that gun. Hold still. Put it down. Uh-uh. You know, you got to humor a crazy person. If you don't humor me, it's liable to drive me plumb wild. Now, now, now be, be reasonable, Northrop. That's just what I'm going to do. I ain't going to no bughouse. And I ain't letting that old she-cat get pud. But I see I got to prove that what I've been saying in reference to a certain Mr. Brink ain't no poppycock. You won't get away with this. Maybe not. You got your medicine satchel, Doc? Um, yes, I have it. You maybe got some poison in there? Enough, say, to kill a fly? Poison? Well, of course, but... Uh, Good. But... I'm making a bargain with you, then. And you'd best take it, too, because otherwise I'm just liable to go wild as all get out. What's the bargain? Doc, you take the worst poison you got in that bag and put it in the tumbler. I'll catch a fly and put him in the poison. If that fly dies, I'll give myself up. But if he lives, you swear I'm sane, huh? That's fair enough. Can you trust him? I think so, Mr. Grimes. Now, don't worry. I know darn well I can kill a fly. No, you can't, Doc. Northrop, if I can't kill a fly, I'll quit medicine. Pour it out. Okay. Huh. Okay. Mr. Grimes, you get a fly. Th- there's one on the window pane. Okay. There. Yeah. Yeah. Got him? Right here. I'll drop him in this tumbler. You uh, got poison enough? There's enough poison in this glass to kill a team of horses. Okay. There. Yeah. He's in. Mm-hmm. He ain't much of a swimmer, is he? How long you been practicing medicine, Doc? Thirty-one years, and I can still kill a fly. Well, you live and learn. Yeah. Take him out and put him on the table. Looks kind of sick, don't he? Hmm. Never saw anything better than that fly, Northrop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Give him a chance. Well, Doc? Hmm. He's dead. You can see for yourself. Well, you've lost, Northrop. Now, come along, nice and peaceful. Now, stick by the bargain, Northrop. Looks like something's gone wrong. I'll take the gun. Wait, wait a minute. He moved. What? That dang fly just moved. Impossible. Look for yourself. He's drunk as a lord, but... By gracious, he's moving right across that table. God, you didn't give him enough poison. I gave him enough for a million flies. Now, now do you believe what I've been telling you about, Mr. Brink? Now, to heck with that. You put down that gun, Northrop. You're coming with me. Hey. I don't know what kind of trick this is, but I'm not falling for it. Grimes, you promised... I came to get him, and I'm going to do it. So you still don't believe it, eh? Put it down. And you ain't going to keep your word. Well, by God, there's another way of proving it. Doc, if a man was shot... Right smack in the belly, he'd die, wouldn't he? No, uh, don't do it. You crazy fool. Okay, Mr. Grimes, you're an experiment now. Grimes, look out. Oh, you crazy fool. You've killed him. He'll be dead in an hour. I don't think so, Doc. But I sure hope Mr. Brink stays up there. Because if he comes down now, I'm in one terrible fix. Mr. Northrup. What is it, Marcy? Dr. Evans is back. Where? Out by the apple tree. He's got Sheriff Pillbeam with him. The sheriff? Mm-hmm. Holy consternation. You don't suppose Mr. Grimes up and died? I don't think so, but the two of them are acting kind of peculiar. How's that? They've got a fishing pole, and they're fishing through that fence you built around the apple but tree. Concerned fools. Let me get out there. What the tarnation is the matter with you two? Oh, hello, Northrop. Uh, better reel in, Sheriff. Okay, Doc. Dead? Dead as a doornail. 
It makes three mice we've killed by just touching them against the tree. Well, of course. Didn't I tell you? Maybe the tree's poison. Mm, That doesn't explain why Grimes is still alive. He should have died three hours ago. You see, Doc? Yeah, I see. Northrop, you can feel right proud of yourself. What do you mean? There's a man in my hospital who's been suffering for years. In constant pain. I'm sorry to hear that. The day before yesterday, I decided to operate on him. The operation was a failure. He's in more pain than he ever was. I expect the best thing would be death. Well, I'm sorry, Doc. Then there's that nice old lady in 2C, Mrs. Trenner. The one that used to keep all the dogs? That's right. I forgot all about her. Everybody has. She's been in that bed for six years with only one idea. To die as soon as possible. This is just happening in one small hospital in a small town. Gainesville, they have two hospitals. There are thousands in the world. They're full of people just like that. Now, Doc, Sheriff, I'm right sorry for them people. But if you're trying to get me to let Mr. Brink out of this tree, you're on the wrong track. Think about it for a minute. No more death. Nobody died last night. Nobody's going to die tonight or tomorrow. I don't give a hoot. Brink is up there and he's going to stay there. Okay, Northrop. We're going. Oh, by the way, did you ever see a man a hundred years old? What are you driving at? By the time Blood's a young man, you'll be about that age. Say, if I ever get like that, I'd let Mr. Brink come and get me. I ain't ever going to be no nuisance to Pud. Okay, Northrop. But I warn you, I'm going to do everything I can to make you take him down today. And so is the sheriff. Right. And, uh, I, uh, I thank you for not letting me eat that apple. You can have one now if you want it. Uh, I think you'll regret that I didn't eat it before I'm finished. Oh, come on, sheriff. Mr. Brink? Yes? If I let you come down, I'm the first to go, eh? That's correct, Mr. Northrop. Do you think what Doc said is right? You think I I might become a nuisance to Pud? I think so, my good man. Yeah. Here comes Casey, bingity-bing! Ah, look at him, an express train! Choo-choo! Out of my way, Gramps, here comes Casey Jones! Hey there, watch out! Boom! Help! I got you. Now... No, I ain't going to let you go till I get a hug. Okay, Gramps. Uh, <coughs> do you love me, boy? I love you, Gramps. Better than Casey Jones, anyway. See who that is, Massey. Well? It's Miss Demetria. The sheriff and Dr. Evans are with her. Uh, I'll see them outside. I don't want that woman inside my house. Well, well. What brings this delegation? I'm here because Dr. Evans asked me to come, Julian. Uh, Northrop, the sheriff here has a paper on you. What kind of paper? Uh, read it, sheriff. Uh, skip the hogwash. Read the important part. And... Uh... <clears throat> Whereas Dr. James Evans, having testified that Julian Northrup is incapable of managing himself or his property, it is the order of this court that he be committed to the Gainesville Institution for the Insane... What? ...according to the laws of this state. And it is further ordered that custody of the child, John Guilford Northrup, known as Pud, 
be awarded to his aunt, Demetria Ripple. So, that's your game. That's my game, Northrop. I warned you. I'll be good to the boy while you're in the asylum, Julian. Come along, Northrop. Pretty smart, ain't you, Doc? You figure I'll let Mr. Brink down before I'd go to the asylum. That's what I figured. Well, you just figure wrong. Because I've just about decided that that I ain't so good for pot anyways. Now, if you'll give me a minute with the boy, I'll come along with you. No tricks now. I just want to talk to him. I'll be out in a minute. I don't know. No, let him go in, Sheriff. Okay, Doc. Bud? What's up, Gramps? Sit down here, boy. Sure, Gramps. What's the matter? Bud, I'm going away. Going away? But where? Where the Woodbine Twinet or thereabouts. But why? Well, Pud, you see, you see, I'm getting to be a pretty old man now, and I'm kind of tired. Let's lie down and rest then, Gramps. <laughs> Ain't quite that simple, boy. I'll go with you. No matter where it is, I'll go with you, Gramps. No, no, you can't go with me. But I want to. I love you, Gramps. Don't go away. You shouldn't love me that much, boy. You see, Pud, I've been thinking things over. Maybe it ain't such a good thing you're living with me anymore. Oh, Gramps. And you know, maybe your Aunt Dimitri, she ain't as much of a pissmire as we thought she was. Gramps. No, sir. Maybe if you was to go and live with her... What's the matter, boy? Why are you pulling away from me like that? Don't you love me anymore, Gramps? Of course I do. It's just that I gotta go away. But I'll go with you. No, you can't, boy. Please, Gramps, No, please. no. Then I don't love you anymore. I don't. I don't. I'm going away from here. I'm going far away. Hard. Hard. Ready, Northrop? In a minute. Demi? Yes, Julian? Demi, honest to God... Will you be good to Pud? I'll be good to him, Julian. Will you see he gets some fun out of life? I will. Will you not keep hugging him all the time like you do? I'll be good to Pud, Julian. You don't have to worry. I have wonderful plans for him. Such as what? Well, I'm going to start writing getting him ready for next year's term. How do you mean getting him ready? I'll start teaching him the work so when he starts his new grade, he'll be ahead of the others. Ain't you going to let him play any? Of course he'll have his play, period. But now he'll have education, too. I'll begin to form his mind. His mind is forming all right as it is. He needs to learn to behave nicely. I'll teach him to say no, sir, and yes, sir, to curtsy when old... Curtsy? By the time Miss Ramsdell's school... Miss Ramsdell's... That's a girl's school. Not anymore. They're going to have three little boys next year. Oh, you're going to make that boy into a sissy. By God, you still are a pissmire. Don't try anything, Northrop. You're still coming with me. You think so, Sheriff? I know so. Mr. Brink! Uh, who's he talking to? This may be what we're waiting for. Let him talk. Well, Mr. Brink, kind of looks like the time has come. Yes, the time has come now. I expect you're ready. As soon as you say the word. I hope you won't hold it against me. The only reason I kept you there was to keep Demi from getting the boy. I've taken that into consideration. I was going to let you down just as soon as you had word to take her. I know, but there's been no call for her yet. Probably won't be for years. What's that? 
You say you were supposed to take Dimitri an hour ago? Good heavens. No, no. I said I probably won't take her for years. Oh, my God, Mr. Brink, why didn't you say so? But I'm not supposed to take her. Northrop, did he really say he was taking Demi? Yes, says he was supposed to take Demi an hour ago. Oh, no, it can't be. This changes everything. Doctor, doctor, it isn't really so, is it? Oh, I'm afraid he's really got death up that tree, Mr. Dimitri. If your time has come... But he can't. Northrop. By the way, Mr. Brink, after you take Demi... I wonder if you could just slip the sheriff in for good measure. Uh, hey! The old stiff is trying to take me to the nut house. Northrop, this is practically murder. Mr. Northrop, if you please! Mr. Brink's talking to me again. Yes, Mr. Brink? This is the wildest absurdity I've ever heard. You know perfectly well I have no authority to take these people. You say you'll take the sheriff, too. Well, I appreciate that, Mr. Brink. Julian! Mr. Brink's awful angry. Northrop, when I get down from this tree, so help me! Well, goodbye, Doc. Demi, Sheriff, you'd best line up now. Come on, line up, everybody. Here we go. Off to glory. Stop him. Somebody stop him. Hold on, Northrop. For God's sake, hold on. Northrop, stop it. Stop it. We'll do anything you want us to. I'll tear up the court order. Look, look. There. Good. And you, Demi, will you keep your hands off the boy? I will, Julian, I will. And keep the howling blue blazes away from me, too? You promise? I will. I'll keep the howling blue blazes away from you, too. All right, Mr. Brink. Anybody else tries to make me let you down, you take them, too. I will not! Thank you very much, sir. Now, you three vultures, you get out of here. I'm going to stay and take care of Pud. And I don't care if the whole world goes to blazes. Go on now. Go on. Good riddance. Well, that's done. Marcy. Marcy. Yes, Mr. Northrup? You seen Pud? No, he ran off when I called to him. Uh, I hurt his feelings too much, I reckon. Well, you run over to Jimmy's house, see if he's there. Mm. I look around back. Mr. Brink, you stay right there. Poor man. What's that you say? I said, poor man. I don't know what you mean by that, but I don't like the way you said it. Pud! Pud, where are you? Where are you, Pud? Well, hello there, Pud. Hello, Mr. Brink. Your gramps and Marcy are looking for you. What's the matter? They don't love me anymore. What are you going to do? Run away. Well, you're not big enough to run away, my little man. I am so, and I'm not your little man. I'll spit in your eyes. I'm afraid you couldn't reach me. I could, too, and I could climb up on that fence. You'd be afraid. I would not, you big squash of hopper shoppers. I see you can make up words, too. I can do anything. Except climb this fence. I could do it with one hand. Let's see. All right. You'll never get up on that side. Better come around here. It's much easier. Ouch! What happened? I scratched my hand on the fence. I have to get some heat protection. Baby calf, baby calf, afraid of a little scratch. It's a baby calf. I'll show you. First... One foot up here. Splendid. Come on now. Just a little more. Get one leg over. There. You're up. Gosh, I can see far from up here. Can you see me now, Pud? Yes. Gee, why do you make your voice so whispery, Mr. Brink? 
Do you like it? Yes. Good. Look at me. Gee, you've got funny eyes, Mr. Brink. They make me dizzy. You've got ghost eyes. Look at me again. That's right. Keep on looking at me. Now, give me your hand. Lean forward. A little more. A little more. Now. Here, boy. I got you in my arms. Where am I, Gramps? On the porch, near the tree. I fell. I know, I know. It hurts, Gramps. I want to eat the tape, Gramps. My back hurts terrible. Hush, boy. Don't try to talk. Mr. Brink? Yes? Pud's in terrible pain. I think his back's broke. Why did you let him do it, Mr. Brink? Why? My dear man, I didn't mean to hurt the boy. I just meant to take him. It was the only way. He slipped before I could touch him. Couldn't you have found some other way? The boy was my only hope of getting down. You see, I want you to understand what it means to you and your world to deny me. Already they are beginning to feel the bewilderment, the pain, the sorrow. It gets worse every hour. I guess I tried to bite off more than I could chew. Much more. Gramps, my back. Diddy boy. Mr. Brink. Yes? Would you come down, please, and take us both? Gladly. Gramps. Gramps, a heap of tape, a backwards terrible. Just a minute now, boy. Just a minute. You down yet, Mr. Brink? Just one second. There. Now. I'll just touch you. No, first you, Mr. Northrop. Say, Pud feels light as a feather now. Now, Pud. Hello, Mr. Brink. Hello, Pud. Are we dead at Gramps? Must be. I feel like a two-year-old. How do you feel? I feel like a two-year-old too, Gramps. Mr. Brink. Why didn't you tell me it was going to be like this? My dear man, I've been trying to tell you how pleasant it is, but you wouldn't listen. Come along, both of you. Where are we going, Gramps? Yeah. My golly, where are we going, Mr. Brink? You'll find out. How long will we be there? For eternity. How long is eternity, Gramps? Right smart piece of time, boy. Anyway... We'll be together, won't we, Gramps? You're dang right we will. Julian? What? Julian Lord, do you have to use such language in front of the boy? Miss Nelly. Mr. Brink, I thought you said she'd changed. Just heard the best plays production of On Borrowed Time by Paul Osborne, starring Parker Fennelly and Mildred Natwick. 
And here is your host, drama critic John Chapman, with a closing word. Wherever they are now, Gramps and Little Pud are not deaded. Nor will they be, so long as there is a theater somewhere. It was a privilege to bring you this best play by Paul Osborne. And I might add that Mr. Osborne has another success on Broadway right now, Point of No Return. Next Sunday, for a change of pace in this series, we'll bring you what I consider the best thriller of the modern American theater, Patrick Hamilton's Angel Street. The company will include the stars who played in the Broadway production, Vincent Price, Judith Evelyn, and Melville Cooper, with Elizabeth Eustace and Marjorie Maud. This is Chapman saying goodbye until then. Unborrowed Time by Paul Osborne was adapted for radio by George Leffert. Supporting Parker Fennelly and Mildred Natwick were David Anderson as Pud, Agnes Young as Demetria, Peter Capel as Mr. Brink, Terry Keene as Marcy, Louis Van Ruten as Dr. Evans, Carl Weber as the Sheriff, and Bill Griffiths as Grimes. Ed King directed. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thanks for joining us for NBC Radio's Best Plays with John Chapman. Radio Days is a proud part of the 1001 Stories podcast network, which includes this show and three others. 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories and Mysteries, 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, and 1001 Stories for the Road. If you enjoyed Radio Days on Borrowed Time, let us know at Apple Reviews or email us at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com. We highly recommend for Android users player.fm. It's easy to use. Just search player.fm and download it. It's free. It's easy to use. And it does a great job of delivering our shows. When you email us, we'd also like to know which Radio Days shows you like best, and we'll play more of them. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another episode from Radio Days, when radio was king, real soon.